Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. So let's continue to talk about your design. And uh, I know this is helping many of you. So uh, if you pay attention, your life will change and the next 50 years will be great in your life. All these young people here tonight, the thousands, okay? So my message tonight, you are born an original, don't die a copy. Say it tonight, say I am not a copy. Bring me down and give me oomph. Say I'm not a copy and neither am I a copycat. Say I am an original and I am happy with who God made me to be in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, You're not an oops. You're not an accident. God planned you to be alive at this time. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So, so people debate when life starts. Life starts before the womb. I think enough said there. I'm a pro-lifer. I just say that very loud. I am pro-life. Because God is a pro-lifer. So if, if there's a tragedy uh, medically, we support people. But if you fall pregnant, don't abandon your baby. Give us your baby. We'll take care of your baby. Amen. Because your baby has destiny. So no matter how you got pregnant, that child has a future. I mean, uh, all these clever people in the world are suddenly debating about where life began and talking about women's right that you can terminate a child at 40 weeks. Excuse me. Let me not get into that. It says, before you were born, I sanctified you. The word sanctify means I set you apart. I, God says, ordained you to be a prophet to the nation. Then I said, ah, Lord, behold, I cannot speak for I'm but a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm not a youth. Don't tell me who you are not. Don't tell me what you cannot do. Begin to recognize who you are and begin to celebrate who I created you to be. It says, for you shall go to all whom I send you and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces for I am with you to deliver you. Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth and the Lord said to me, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I've set you this day over nations to be a doctor, uh, to, to, to uh, over kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. So here's the deal. Most people have an identity crisis and it's not the crisis that we see in the world where people are grappling with sexual identity. It is a crisis where people don't know who they are. And if you don't know who you are, you'll never know what you can do. So we have to talk about this because if we talk about overflow, you better celebrate who you are. But before you can celebrate who you are, you have to know who you are because your design is a clue to your destiny. We live in a time where everybody wants to be somebody else. I mean, people look at themselves and they say, 
if I was him, if I was her, if I looked like him, if I looked like her, if I was black, if I was white, if I was young, if I was old. So God has a conversation with Jeremiah about his future and Jeremiah talks back to God and, and he says, but God, I'm too young. Come on, everybody under the age of 30, put up your hand today and say, I am not too young. Say it, say it tonight. Say, this is my time for great things to happen in my life. Say, my time is now. Say it, say, my time is now. Say, my time is now in the name of Jesus. Say it. So stop telling God who you are not and, and stop telling God what you can't do. I think God knows exactly what you can do, who you are and what you are called to do. So we have to talk about that, right? Because as a pastor after 37 years, I see many people trying to be who God never created them to be. And I said it last week. It's like Franz Malherbe trying to be Cheslin Colby. He cannot. He can confess. He can fast. He can pray. He's not designed to be a runner. He's designed to be a prop, to stand. He's ground. So I have to know who I am before I can discover what I can and that will lead me to my I must. And my I must is the most important because the I must is, is and we'll talk about that uh, next week, is, is what uh, uh, actually directs you for life. That is your God-given purpose on the earth. But you first have to come and answer the question, who are you? So, so I think people get it confused. We'll talk about this next week as well because people speak, speak about their Christ identity and we start there. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Second Corinthians 5, 7 in Galatians 2, 20, 21. He says, I, he says uh, the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself. So I am what I am by the grace of God. So we have to understand who we are in Christ. We are new creatures in Christ. We are a royal priesthood in Christ. So that's Christ's identity. But then we have to understand Christ's destiny. Because in Christ, you don't only have an identity, you have a destiny. So you have to discover your design in Christ. Not just your new creation reality in Christ, but you have to understand your specific design in Christ. Because we all are different. Amen. We look different. Our DNA different. No two people are the same. People may look, even identical twins are not the same. People in our church who have identical twins, you'll be amazed how their personalities are different. Why? Because their calling is different. Their destiny is different. So your design, and I'll say it and you have to write it down, your design determines your destiny. So if you want to know your destiny, you have to understand your design because your design is the clue to what God has called you to do. I said this at, at uh, uh, Pastor Aiden and Sharon, congratulations, their beautiful daughter, Sarah, got married to a very handsome dude, Brendan. And uh, I was there to celebrate that. And uh, what a beautiful occasion. Let's give them a warm uh, celebration. That beautiful couple, pure, both of them kept themselves and it was beautiful to see um, uh, that uh, uh, union. And I, I, I sat with some pastors and one pastor's wife said to me, Pastor, this message is liberating so many people. I spoke to another pastor, he said, in our church in Bunch of Shrimp, young people were crying all the night while I was talking about the design. The pressure that's on people to be who God never created them to be. The peer pressure, the pressure from education, the pressure from the systems of this world, the pressure from parents, the pressures and the expectations upon people who push people out of their design. So they pursue a career that they were not designed for, so they never are happy. 
I mean, listen, we need to be happy. Amen. We need to enjoy life. Amen. We need to go to our jobs upbeat, not beat up. We need to go and live our lives happy and know this is what I was created for. And we, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus said, uh, 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 we need to walk with Him and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So if you're doing what God has called you and designed you to do, it's not going to be a forced thing. It's going to be. So I said to, I said to um, uh, 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 one of the pastors, Pastor Gig and I said to him, take this fork for instance. What is it? The designer made it a fork. But you can use the fork and abuse it and you can go pull up weeds with a fork. But the fork wasn't designed for that. The spoon was designed to be a spoon, a soup spoon or a dessert spoon. But then we want to just use it and we want to turn it into a skopgraf. Now you can use it, but you're going to destroy it in the process. So God doesn't want life to abuse you. As a matter of fact, Jesus came not only to save you, but He came to liberate you from yourself and He came to liberate you from your past. He came to liberate you from the expectations of people. And He said, now you follow me and I will make you. I will remake you. So when you come to Christ, the first thing that happens is you discover yourself. And when you discover yourself in Christ, the power of sin is broken. You know you are righteous. You know you're accepted. You know you are complete. You know you are blessed. And you can live a life free to pursue the destiny of God. Come on, man. If you know you are safe tonight, say amen up there on the balcony and give the Lord a bit of a praise here tonight. Okay. So I have to know who I am. So my question again tonight is who are you? Because you all have notepads, right? Uh, right. Thank you. Uh, write, quickly, you've got 10 seconds. Write the three most outstanding attributes about yourself. Now, go. 10, 9. Some of you are not writing anything. Why? Because you've got nothing to write. Hmm? But if I ask you what you don't like about, what you don't like about yourself, you're going to get busy. If I, if, I, if I ask you what do you think is lacking, you're going you're gonna to say, if I had that. I mean, I had a pastor once say to me, if I was white, I'd be successful. I said, how did you figure that? Do, do you think your skin color is what gives you success in God? Whatever success is uh, uh, defined as. So God comes to Jeremiah and God says, before you were born, I sanctified you. I separated you. You're not an accident. I planned you. To be alive in 2024. Say amen tonight. I planned you. You are exactly who you should be. Your skin pigmentation, your biology, male or female. Say amen. Your gender, your age. Huh? Because some of you think if I was younger, it wouldn't work if you were younger. Because you're not younger. You are exactly who you are now. You are exactly where God wants you to be. You are exactly the time, the culture, the country that God has designed you to be in. So you are going to prosper and experience overflow when you find yourself. Because some of you 
are saved. You know who you are in Christ, but you are lost in your design. You're confused. It's like people say to me, tell me what I'm good at. It's like going into a fruit and vegetable shop and, 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 ask, and saying to a tomato, you're a tomato. The tomato knows he's a tomato. And you're not going to have an onion sit there, Senor Onion, and say, hey, pst, pst, I'm going to tell you a secret about me. I'm an onion. He knows he's an onion. Everybody recognizes that's an onion. So, so not only should you recognize who you are, but let me say this to you. People recognize who you are as well. And people can recognize who you are not. Peter stepped the toy, 28 tackles. Yeah, and he's a child of God. Give him a hand clap. Come on. He played to his strengths. He played to his strength. He didn't play as a prop. He played as a flank. And sometimes as a lock. Because he's multi-talented. He knew who he was. He played to his strengths. Now, if you're going to have a great life and fulfill your destiny, you have to know your strengths. And you have to play according to your strengths. So the question is, what are your strengths? What comes naturally to you? It's quiet in this Presbyterian, uh, Presbyterian, Presbyterian. What comes natural? What is your? What is your? What do you? What flicks your switch? What is? What is it that makes you come alive? What is it that? That if you think about it, it's you come alive. I came into the ministry and I, my title was gopher. Not like today everybody wants to be called a pastor. I was called a gopher. You know what that is? That was my job description. Go for me, my pastor. Go for me, go for me. And, and, and my job was so uh, confined that I, that I had to do everything. Work from six o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night. Um, and that was fine. I had no problem with that. But at, at heart, I'm an evangelist. And then I was told all the time, you're not an evangelist, you're not an evangelist. And I wasn't faced by that because in my spare time, I evangelized. On a Friday night, when other people were dating, I was out on the streets evangelizing. Because you will always gravitate to your passion. Listen, you will always gravitate to your passion. You will always gravitate to your natural strength. And if you don't know what your natural strength is, you're gonna gravitate to something else. Because you're not gonna be a happy chappy. Because what you are doing is not working. And God didn't design any person to be dysfunctional. God designed you to be functional. God designed you so whatever you set your hand to will be blessed. So you have to find out who you are so that your prayer does not dictate the terms to God. But your prayer is more a discovery of who God created me to be. And let's, 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 let's be honest here today. There's a lot of pressure upon people. Our education systems, our school systems, uh, our culture that we live in wants to co almost conform everybody to be a certain way. And uh, God's not into the cookie cutting business. God is into the designer business. God is into uh, creating you unique and special. God has made you different. You have a different temperament. You have a different uh, personality. You have a different skill. There's something beautiful about you. There's something that you have that nobody else has. So stop minimizing yourself and downplaying yourself and stop trying to be somebody else and stop being a copycat because God created you to be an original. Don't you dare live your life a copy. So my question is, who are you today? Because when people look at you, all these empty chairs tonight, they see a copycat. I want to be like my daddy. Well, you're not your daddy. 
So stop telling God who you are not and begin to celebrate who you are. So who are you? I mean, Jesus comes and uh, who's our prime example. And in Matthew chapter 16, he comes to the people and he says, he asks the disciples, he says, who do people say that I, the son of man am? He actually tells them who he is. He's not in an identity crisis. He gives them the answer. And they come back and they say, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets. He says, but who do you say that I am? I mean, it's not like Jesus was looking for affirmation. Jesus knew exactly who He was. I am the Son of God. I am the light of the world. I am the Saviour of the world. And let me remind you, at one time His own mother doubted Him. The very mother that raised him, the very mother that taught him the scriptures, at one time his mother and his brothers and sisters came to get a hold of Jesus because they thought he lost his mind. He had gone too far. And then Jesus made this famous quote and he said, those are not my mother, my brothers and my sisters, but those who hear the word and do the word, they are my mother, my brothers and sisters. So at some time in his life, either even his mother who taught him from the scripture that he is the Christ, doubted her son. Did you know that? Well, read your Bible. You'll find it there. They actually thought he, he, he had lost his mind. Literally, if you read it. They came to get him. So he's, he's, he's now out too far. Okay? Uh, we know you, 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 you're radical for God, but you're a little bit too radical now. Uh, you need to tone it down a little bit now. You need to play it safe, etc. So not even your mama can tell you who you are. Your mama should tell you what your strengths are, but your mama cannot tell you. And if your mama never told you, you've got a papa, a heavenly daddy who has told you, a father who wants a conversation with you, a father who wants to affirm you in what he created you to be, like Jeremiah. Jeremiah is, is 17 years old, okay? And God comes to him and he says, do not be faced by people's opinion. Don't be faced by the way people look at you. Don't be labelled because somebody mistreated you. Don't uh, uh, be minimised because somebody treated you with prejudice. Don't uh, give up on your dream because you work in a company and because you're a black person, people are treating you with a minimalistic uh, attitude. It doesn't matter how people treat you because you are not defined by people. You are defined by God and you are defined by the belief you have in yourself. So if you have the victim card, and all the time you pull the victim card while you're not getting ahead in life, the victim card says that you have no understanding of who you are. Because if you know who you are, nobody can put you down because you are blessed, you are highly favoured, you are a child of God, you have the greater one. Come on, man. You have the seed of greatness on the inside of you and you cannot be minimised by anybody. You become unstoppable when you find yourself in your God design. I, I don't want to say just when you find yourself in Christ because that's the first step. But it's not the only step. What is your design in Christ? Who are you? I've been asking this question for three weeks and then I, I, I talk to people and people will say to me, um, tell me who I am. I say, No. Jesus didn't need people to tell him who he was. He knew who he was. And by the way, he, he, he was born a normal baby. You understand that? 
he wasn't born with a halo. There was a star, but he was a baby. He was raised. He had to flee to Egypt. He discovered through the scriptures who he was and his mother's affirmation who he was. He discovered himself in God. Right? And then at 30, God baptized him with the Holy Ghost. And for the first time, the presence of the Spirit of God came upon him and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. But up to that point in time, it was a journey of faith like you and me. He had to discover himself and he had to prepare himself as a rabbi and he had to study the Scriptures and memorize the book of Isaiah. And in that, through the witness and the testimony of the Holy Ghost, he had to discover, I am the Son of God. And everybody told him, you're not. People said, you're a blasphemer. People said, you had a devil. People called him a wine bubber. People called him a drunkard. People called him every name that you possibly can call somebody else. But he never doubted himself because he had the revelation from God of who he was. So again, I'm going to ask you a hundred times tonight, who are you? Because if you can't, answer that question you will never know what you can do and if you don't know what you can do you will never know what you must do so you will see the conversation of Jesus starting with I am and it ends to I must I must in the, in the, in the same conversation in Matthew chapter 16 when he says who do people say that I the son of man am and they have the opinion and then later on he talks about his I must in the same passage of Scripture, and he says, I must go to Jerusalem and I must be crucified. Then the same man who had the revelation that he's the Christ, Peter, takes him aside and rebukes him. And he says, no, Lord, your I must is too radical. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, get behind me, Satan, for you savor not the things of God. The one moment he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Then Peter gets super spiritual. Jesus talks about his, I must. Peter has a problem. The mother has a problem. The father has a problem because I never raised you to be a preacher. I raised you to be a lawyer. Now you answer your, I must. And suddenly the family does a double take. And I'm not saying say to your mother, get behind me, Satan, because that's not going to be a good day. Neither of you say that to your mother-in-law. Thank God for all our mother-in-laws. Amen. We, somebody... He said something about a mother-in-law and said, oh, I've got a wonderful mother-in-law. I'm so happy for you. I'm glad. I also have a wonderful mother-in-law. Praise God. So, so, so when you discover yourself, it gives you your sense of dignity, self-worth and self-esteem. Um, yes, your, 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 your self-esteem is rooted in Christ. But like I said this morning, you are not meant to be a Christian that just is floating through life. And, and you do not live this life of purpose, which gives you the sense of fulfillment. And without accomplishment, there will never be that sense of fulfillment. And if you, you, you do the same thing and it's not working, and you try harder and it's not working, and you pray longer and it's not working, I'm not saying that there are not difficult times in life, but look at Joseph, who is a natural born leader. No matter what happened to him, he rose to leadership wherever he found himself, because that's who he was. He always rose, he rose up. Whatever he touched was blessed. When the whole world was against him, he stood out. So you need to be a standout person, amen? Like this thumb, the thumb knows it's a thumb, okay? The thumb is not trying to scratch my ear or point the direction of the way. So even your fingers know 
My, my hand is not going, yeah, my mouth knows. This is your time to talk, etc., etc. Why do we get confused in the body of Christ? Because we spiritualize everything and, and we pray in tongues and then we get confused in the process and, and we miss the most important thing. And that is, who did God design you to be? If God designed you to be a businessman, you are going to know what to do. You are going to know where to lower your nets. You are going to know how to overcome. You are going to know how to progress because you have an anointing. And I'm going to show you that from the Bible. If God's called you to be a pastor, you will know what next step to take. If God's called you to be a, uh, a teacher, you will know what to say because God graces you and God anoints you to bear much fruit. So I want to say this, there cannot be overflow outside of your design. Faith is not trying to get God's attention. You have His attention. Faith is not trying to get God to bless you. You have been blessed. Faith is not trying to get God to release His favour. You have favour with God. So faith is walking out what God has called you to do. And what God called you to do, God designed you for it. Because God never called you to fail. We all fall, but we get up and then we succeed, right? We progress. But you cannot stay in a stalemate situation year after year, year after year. And if you think if you praise louder, things are going to happen. If you pray longer, things are going to happen. No, my brother. I've learned if you connect with God's will for your life, the journey is easy. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Then being a doctor is not going to burn you out. Being a preacher is not going to burn you out. Being a pastor is not going to wear you out and burn you out because you are walking in the grace of God. You are walking in God's grace. You are what you are by the grace of God. I mean, recently uh, uh, in COVID, uh, several people asked me, said, when are you going into politics? And my, my, my answer was very clear. I said, never. They say, why? I say, it's not, I'm not designed for it. Because I'm not going to play the game. Yeah, it's not my design. I'm not going to say what you want me to say um, to get your vote. I'm not going to be deceitful. I didn't say all politicians are deceitful. Most of them are. Because yesterday, they all there. They, the same people who wanted to take away the spring box. Spring box, spring box, spring box, spring box. Now let's see next year with the um, um, elections, whether they're still going to celebrate the whole of South Africa or whether they're going to actually tell you, hey, those are white people. And those white people caused all your problems. Come on, you know what I'm saying is right, man. Give the Lord a hand clap. Just look like you are in agreement. No child knows he's black until somebody tells him he's black. Amen. So, so they go there and they lift the cup with Kulisi. And now, let's, let's hear. It's those same people that flew there on our expenses to parade the cup there. Let's see next year if they're going to be tolerant of the white people. Mm -hmm. 
if it's going to be the same image, World Cup mentality, together we win. Or is it going to go again? These white people caused all our problems. 30 years later, we're in this situation because the white people caused all the problems. But yesterday, you celebrated with white people that is part of the team, the winning team. But come the elections, you're going to change your tune. We know it. And some of you are going to get confused. I'm going to show our president with that cup. When there's one word from the ANC that comes against white people, I'm going to show him for Kile and all those people. Yeah, bua, man, bua, 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 bua. And when we win the Cricket World Cup, And some of the top batsmen are white people. Don't go lift that cup if next year you're going to criticize every white person. Don't go catch shine, but you actually don't like white people. That's why I can't do politics. Listen, South Africa, beautiful people. I can't help on peach pink. Get over it. You can't help that you're black and beautiful. So white people need to get over it. Right? Your problem is not the other person. The problem is what's going on in your head. Not the enemy, the enemy. Not the enemy, the enemy. What's going on here. What you believe about yourself. This is uh, 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 Jeremiah. God comes to me and says, God, I've called you to do great things, which is for all of you. God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. God's talking to each and every one of you. And he says, but God, I cannot. You know, the silent conversation you have is the most important conversation you can have. It's the conversation nobody else knows. It's the conversation you have all by yourself. It's the conversation that determines whether you're going to fail or succeed. The conversation that says, I don't really think I can. I don't really believe in myself. I don't have what it takes. Do you know most people have a poor self-image? Most people think less of themselves. Most people think they don't have what it takes to get ahead in life. That's why they look for a reason not to get ahead in life. And that reason is blaming somebody else always. But when you discover who God created you to be, you will rise up out of the ashes. You will succeed when everybody else is failing and floundering. You will get ahead in life because you are in your God design. And I'll tell you, God never made a mistake. God chose you. God appointed you. God anointed you. God has graced you. God has favored you. God's hand is upon you for good and not for evil. So you better begin to love yourself and celebrate yourself and believe in yourself and do what God has called you to do. It may not be, like I said last week, as spectacular as somebody else's armor. But your armor is unique to yourself. Your sling is unique to yourself. It's part of your design. The jawbone of a donkey is part of your design. The staff that God gave Moses is part of his design. Come on, in the name of Jesus Christ, God has given you something unique and special. Stop criticizing yourself. Stop trying to drown yourself out, taking drugs and alcohol and jumping from relationship to relationship. Stop seeking affirmation somewhere else. 
and begin to celebrate who God created you to be and say, I am the best me. I am highly favoured. And if everybody doesn't believe in you, it doesn't matter. God believes in you. You believe in yourself and you get busy with the destiny that God has for you. Shout Amen in Jesus' name. Come on. So I have to answer the question, why was I born? Mark Twain, the two most important days of your life when you discover when you are born and when you discover why you are born. And I'll add the third one, the day you die. Because when you leave this life, you go to heaven or hell. There's not a purgatory, another place. So you need to discover why was I born? Gives you purpose, right? Identity. Why am I alive? Who come live back? To make money? No. Because all the money in the world will not make you happy. I tell people all the time, you don't work for money. You fulfill God's destiny for your life. You see God's purpose, Matthew 6.33, and according to God and God's plan, the money will follow you. But, but people go study degrees thinking that degree is going to give me a lot of money. People are even advised to go study certain degrees because those degrees guarantee employment. But they are not wired for that degree, but they study it. Thinking, if I get that qualification, I'm going to walk into a job. They get a job and they hate every moment of it and they, 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 they do not ex- uh, succeed in that job because it's not their design. If you do what God created you to do and you have to love what you do, hear me, you will succeed. You love coffee, like I said, make one cup of coffee. Everybody's going to taste your coffee and say, wow, what is your recipe? So I'm not telling you in any case, um, but you can buy, next time you can buy my coffee and you sell that coffee or vegetables or whatever it is, you can start somewhere. There's something that you have. There's something that God is going to use. There's something that is special about you. I'm going to say it to you again and again and again. Because if you do not discover that, you are never going to live a fulfilled life. And there will not be overflow because we do not measure overflow in in, in terms of finances. We measure overflow in, 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 in quality of life. And if you design by God to work, Because God creates Adam to work. Fellowship with God, then work, then a wife. So your work is not a curse. You were created to work. Not to go to university and find a doctor. I'm just going to go to university. I want to find me a, uh, a man who's got a rich daddy. Well, you're not going to marry the daddy. And if you want the daddy's money, tend to want the daddy's money is never coming your way in any case. So you better do better than that. Because when you marry somebody, it's two destinies coming together. It's not one destiny. It's not the woman dying to a destiny. It's two destinies coming together. Because God never created the female or the woman inferior. It's not, you marry me, girl, you die. And you bow and you submit. No, where did you see that in the Bible? 
They were created co-equal. When God created Adam, He created them male and female and He blessed them both. So, so everybody, everybody should know who they are. Not try and find yourself in the context of marriage. You have to know who you are before you get married. Otherwise, you're going to get lost in your marriage. And you better make that other person understand, this is who I am. I'm not willing to compromise on this. You love me the way I am. You're not going to begin to change me and turn me into what you think I should be. You're not going to take me and marry me and then begin to change me. This is who I am. You love me this way and I'm going to be this way for the rest of my life. Come on, young people, listen. Because uh, we have to counsel people and then they say, well, this is not the person I married. Yeah, but you did, you did a, a great job of intimidating and changing that person. So even in the context of marriage, you be you and the other person, the other person be who God created them to be. And then there are responsibilities, etc. But you do not get lost in a marriage. And in our culture, Africa, Afrikaner culture as well, the, the wife is not called to be overshadowed and dominated by the man. And we call that submission. Submission is, is, is rooted in love, in respect. Submission is not something that's demanded from a man. The Bible says, you must submit, my lefe. You better submit. En sê wel, my maai het rondhardlip vir my pa, en jy sal vir my rondhardlip, want dan trou jy a slaaf. You don't want to marry a slave, you want to marry a partner. You want to marry somebody that can grow with you intellectually, somebody that can grow in your destiny, somebody that can be a great lover, somebody that can be a great partner, somebody that can be a great uh, decision maker with you, not this imbalanced relationship and you call it marriage. That's why young people have to be free. Before you date, discover who you are. And if you know who you are, I'm not talking about your bad behavior, you don't date a guy and all he does is criticize you. Or you date a girl and all she does is criticize you. That is the wrong person. You don't want that person in your life, no matter how handsome they are, how tall, dark and handsome they are, how the abs look now, because 20 years from now, those abs will be hidden. And how do you know what his abs look like in any case? Yeah. So why was I born? Who am I? Who am I? What is it that I like about myself? We're not talking about narcissism. But you can't love people if you don't love yourself. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So people that don't feel good about themselves will always put other people down. Because in putting people down, they, have, they elevate themselves. So people that are always judging other people don't feel good about themselves. Because I have to put you down to make myself feel better. People that are always gossiping about other people is because they don't feel good about themselves. I have to gossip about you so that I can feel better about myself. You just should feel good about yourself. You just should love yourself. You just should be comfortable in your skin. 
comfortable in your biology, comfortable in who God created you to be and love who God made you to be and celebrate the design, who you are because you are special and there's a place for you. I said there is a place for you. There is a special place for you. There are things that only you can do. You are designed for it. So you don't look at your older sister and say, I want to be like her. I've got three kids. There are similarities, but they are not the same. I'm like the boss of Streak, but apart from that, they are totally not the same. Wired totally differently. Because their destiny is different. He doesn't have the general destiny with you. You're not born and He just throws you out there in the world and He says, whatever. He handpicked you. He created you. He handcrafted you. The Bible says you are His handiwork. And even if people don't recognize you, recognize yourself. If people are opinionated about you, you have the right opinion about yourself. Because the people that are vocal today will not be in your life tomorrow. But you have to live your life and you have to build your future. And you have to still be happy 20 years from now. 30 years from now, you still have to get on with the life that God has for you. So what are my gifts and talents? We do this with our staff and then we say to them, because we, we do all these uh, personality analysis to help people find themselves, etc. Um, and there's some truth in it, it's not all truth in it. And then play to your strengths and the right person on the right seat in the bus if you want to build a company from good to great. We do everything like this. But you're not going to discover yourself in a manual. You're not going to discover yourself in a course. You may identify yourself because you are too special to, to, to be labeled. Well, I'm a red personality. Oh, you may have some red, but hopefully you've got some yellow as well. And there's a little bit of blue, otherwise you're a scatterbrain. And there's a little bit of green, you like people as well. Everybody has everything, but you have strengths. So you need to know your your strengths, focus on your strengths and play according to your, to your strengths. And I'll say it again. Young men especially, they want to pursue a career that makes money. Now they work hard and hard and hard. It's not working. They get frustrated. So they pray harder and harder and harder and it's not working. Because they're outside of their grace. There, there's no unwritten rule that says anybody can do anything. You can do what God created you to do, what you have been graced to do. So you have to understand that and find yourself in God, in the presence of God, your maker, your creator. And, 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 and look throughout your life, there's a track record. There are certain things that you can trace back from your childhood that shows who you are. You have to recognize that. And as parents, it's our job to help our children re recognize their strengths because you're going to build your career around your strengths. I mean, you get people that study chartered accountancy, they advise people on money, but they go bankrupt. And I know some of them. The financial planner that's in debt over his ears. But he just sells a policy so he can make money. But he himself cannot work with money. So when people come to me and I don't, you know, we don't, whatever. I always say to them, show me the policy that, you, that you've taken. Don't sell me something that you haven't taken yourself. Right? 
Don't just phone me and say, I've got a great policy for you. Have you bought that policy yourself? Are you putting your money there? So your design is a clue to your destiny. Say it tonight, please. Say my design. Put your hand on your heart. Say tonight. Say my design is a clue to my destiny. So you are wired a certain way because of your destiny. You are different from other people. There may, be, there may be similarities because of your destiny. You'll never fulfill your destiny outside of your design while you underrate yourself, devalue yourself. So when God comes to Gideon, we know the story. God says, He's, I'm with you. You're a mighty man. And immediately Gideon does exactly the same. He has a conversation with God. We have the inward conversation. And he tells God who he is not. And he focuses on his weaknesses while God is telling him who he actually is. That's why we have to get into a church. We need our minds renewed. We will look at it now. And we need to recognize who we are and become everything and more that God created us to be. And not listen to all the other voices out there in the world. So God turns to him. After God says, I'm going to deliver the people. And Gideon says, but God, where are you? And he's got this victim mindset. And God says to him, you go in this might of yours. You go in the gift, the grace that is upon your life. And you shall save Israel for them, the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So everybody has an assignment. Life. You have a divine assignment. Not to be a prophet. It may be to be an engineer, a doctor, a politician, a teacher, a scientist, an inventor. I don't know, an actress, an actor, a singer, a musician, a sportsman. You have a design. And according to your design, you have certain gifts. So God calls Gideon. Gideon is at a low place in his life. He's in a place of self-doubt, which is the worst place you can be. He's hiding from his destiny. So God says, he says, uh, he says, you'll save Israel if I not send you. He says, how can I, how can I? How can I? Somebody else can, but how can I? Well, the question is, how can you not? If somebody else can, why can you not? Give me the reason. Oh, I'm, I'm, I come out of a squatter camp. There's a lot of people that come out of a squatter camp today that are very successful businessmen, actually billionaires as well. So that is neutralized. That excuse is neutralized. Now it's quiet. So, so, so people will give you a reason why they cannot succeed. Give me a reason why you should succeed. People will tell you what they cannot do because of a political system. That's why God asked him. It's a bad political system. Israel is in an oppressive situation. Needs a liberator. But it needs somebody that actually believes that he's called. So God comes to him and he says, how can I? What is that? Low self-esteem? Not belief in who God says He is. So he's actually having an argument with God. Same way uh, uh, Nehemiah did, same way that uh, Jacob did. God said, as when I sent you. So he said to him, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest. We, 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 we come from a poor background. What does that have to do with anything? Because, uh, because where you were born does not define who you are. Now you can clap your hands because it's true. You have to... I mean, there are people that are born in wealthy houses that turn out drug addicts. 
There are people that are born in homes where there's alcohol abuse and they see their fathers beat their mothers up and they make a decision at a young age, I'm not going to be like this. I'm going to be better than this. I'm going to get out of this world and I'm going to change my world and I'm going to be somebody special. I will not be defined by my environment. So, so, so Gideon is sitting with a place of self-doubt and uh, he hasn't been affirmed or somebody told him, we come from the least of the families in Manasseh. And by the way, Gideon, you are the least. You are the shepherd boy. Think about it, David. He's the shepherd boy. When, when, when Samuel the prophet comes uh, uh, to anoint uh, at Jesse's house to anoint the next king, and Jesse makes seven of his sons pass by. And the first one is uh, Eliab, who's an impressive man. He says, a captain in Saul's army. He says, surely the Lord's anointed. God says, I've refused him. Because I don't look on the outward appearance, I look on the heart. I've not chosen him. Then uh, Shammah comes, the spiritual one, and he says, no. I haven't chosen him. I haven't called him. And, and, and every one of them comes past. And then Samuel feels like, maybe I missed it. Is there another? And the father says, yes. Oh yeah, there's one that remains. Think about being that child. Think about David's self-image. When the father puts him with a sheep and, and the father does not even recognize that he's a possibility to do anything great with his life. But that's the best place to be. When you are underrated by people and devalued by people, you can know that God's hand is on you in a special way. You can be sitting in the sticks. Listen, you can find God in the sticks. You can find God in the wilderness. You can find God where there is nobody else. And God is going to bless you and God's going to raise you. And your time is going to come where you are going to step up and you are going to be a deliverer and you are going to do something great for God. Say Amen tonight. I'm talking to you. Hallelujah. So, and the Lord said to him, surely go and I will be with you. So God doesn't have a conversation with him. God says to him, get on with it. Get over yourself. Get over people's opinions and get on with it. Because this is who you are. And I says, as I said this morning, nothing is going to change until you get on with the life that God called you to live. You're waiting for somebody to discover you. God already discovered you. My friend, listen to me. You now have to discover yourself and stop acting ignorant. Stop hiding behind, I don't know. Because one thing I learned, especially with men, when I have a men's conference, I'll say this. So I'll say this, but I'll say it in the men's conference. The worst thing a man can do if you want to excel in life is to say, I don't know. If you don't know, you better find the answer. If you want to progress in life as a businessman or you want to be a top player in life, you better get the answer. You can never out of your mouth say, I don't know. You may not know, but you better not vocalize it. Yeah. Because David had Ziklag, when everything was lost, he didn't get up and say, hey guys, I don't know what we're going to do. I guess that's it. We're going to have to close shop, close business. That's just it. He didn't. He strengthened himself in God. That's leadership. And he got the mind of God and he picked himself off the floor and he pursued. Why? Because he was a warrior. That's who he was. That was his makeup. That was his DNA. And, 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 and can I remind you that David... Destroy, kill the lion and the bear before he was anointed? 
So he was a natural warrior. Not a warrior. He was a natural warrior. As a teenager. Moses was a natural deliverer. When he saw an Egyptian kill an Israelite, he killed the Egyptian. Because his DNA was to deliver. He didn't become a deliverer at the burning bush. At the burning bush, his confidence was restored to get back in his God design and to do what God created him to do. So you can go back to your childhood. You can go back to the days before you got saved. I'm not saying when you were partying. And you can go see the things that stood out about you. But somehow we want to spiritualize this. And we think once we are anointed and we pray in tongues, we can all do the same thing. No, we cannot. We are not called the same. Our design is not the same. Our, our grace is not the same. We can do what God called us to do. And I'll say it again. David defeated the lion. He defeated the bear. Then he was anointed. Think about it. We are anointed and we don't know our design. Amen. So no matter what people's opinion is about you, you need to get your own opinion about you. And stay in your lane and stay in your grace. Regardless of people's expectations placed upon you, you need to have your own expectation in what you want in life. What is it that God calls you to do and refuse to be pushed? And even if life takes you in a journey that you never planned like Joseph, the grace of God upon your life will cause you to accelerate. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, taken as slaves, captivity into Babylon. They did not fall apart. They rose to leadership. They were 10 times better because that's who they were. That was their DNA. That's what they had. They didn't wait for anything. They flourished wherever they found themselves. And so should we if we are in our grace, whether we speak in tongues or not. And I'm not minimizing talking in tongues, whether we speak or not. If you were a leader of a gang before you got saved, you'll be a leader in God's kingdom. That's who you are. It's your design. It's your grace in the name of Jesus. So, so we have to get over this. I am, I'm a nobody. I'm the least. I'm the weakest. And we have to begin to discover who God created us to be. Difference is God's design. I pause here. Because I don't want you to listen to me and it goes into this one ear and out that other ear and you do not actually take time to discover who you are and the grace that is upon your life. Paul the Apostle starts every letter and he says, Paul an apostle by the will of God. Paul an apostle by the grace of God. He says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, he says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And God's grace toward me was not in, lay, uh, in vain. I labored more abundantly than they all. So, so outside of God's grace, you're going to burn out, you're going to wear out, you're going to uh, uh, flounder, and you're not going to uh, uh, experience the overflow God has for you. In the grace of God, it may seem insignificant, but that little thing that is special about you, God's hand upon that, will multiply it in your life and will give you favor. And you may be good at keeping books. You may be good 
at, 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 at accounting and you have one client and if you're brilliant, that client is going to talk to somebody else. Then you're going to have two clients. Next minute, you're going to start your own company. Then you're going to have other people work for you because you are playing toward your strength. You are exactly who God created you to be. You're not trying to be somebody else. You are comfortable in your own scheme. So, in, in, in Romans 12, Paul talks, and I'm not getting the times up. He, he talks about we are different according to God's grace. And according to God's grace, God's given us uh, the measure of faith. And that's not the measure of faith to go to heaven. That's the measure of faith to live the destiny that God has for you. So if you're in your grace, you have the faith. If you're in your grace, you have the faith. If you're outside of your grace, you do not have the faith. Faith is not something you can pray for. We're not talking about the faith that you live by that comes through the Word of God. We're talking about the faith that, is, that accompanies your design according to God's grace upon your life. That faith enables you and empowers you. You just have the faith. You just have the know-how. So, so, so we can't be in a place all the time of I'm trying and it's not working. The Springboks didn't try last night. They, they won. And you're a winner. I said you are a winner. You are a winner. Every day when you come back, you should say, I have done what God called me to do. I have, I, I have, I have, I've excelled. Amen. I mean, Lefuno, he's got the longest fingers in the world. That's why he plays brilliantly. Um, Lefuno is music. He's not trying to be a musician. He's not like some pastors who want to sing. He's a musician. And in his spare time, he's teaching his kids already to play drums, piano. That's who he is. It's not a job. If it was a job, in his spare time, he would not be on his keyboard, being creative. That's who he is. That's why... Since he's run the music ministry at the age 24, we have seen the music ministry grow, accelerate and blessed. Why? Because that's who Lefuno is. Lefuno is a musician. His DNA is music. That's who he is. And he does it better than anybody else. He can play any instrument. He likes what he does. He's teaching his children. If this was a job, There'd be no oil. There'd be no grace. There'd be no favor. There'd be no blessing. So when I'm in my grace, it's visible to other people. People celebrate it. People are blessed by it. People are encouraged by it. If I'm out of my grace, people go like, gee, why did the coach put him out of position? then even us who are not rugby coaches look at that and we cringe and we say, gee, I'm not talking about the critic, armchair critic. I'm just talking about the public discerning. That guy is outside of his design. He's a scrum off. He's not a flank. He's not going to catch the ball in the line out. So we discern. The body discerns. The body does not dictate. The body discerns. And what do we discern? We discern fruit. And if the fruit is lacking, the person is functioning out of his design. 
because when you're in your design, the fruit will be there. Because God created Adam and Eve to be what? To be fruitful and to multiply. You won't try, you just will be. We're talking about being. Being precedes doing. I am before I can. Not I can, no, I am. So when you know who you are, whatever you do, yes, there's hard work, but it works. Listen to me very clearly, it works. A dentist, you go there every day and you love what you do. You're not worn out. Me, I had to look in people's mouths all the time. Half of them they don't brush their teeth. It wouldn't be a good day for me. I don't have that grace. Because I'll tell everybody, why did you come here without brushing your teeth? Or your uh, doctors, I have a lot of grace for doctors. They examine patients. Patients go there, they haven't even bathed. Ach, man. I'd have a dear, a drug gang before they see me. You see, I wouldn't be a good doctor. I'd say, all of you, go through the waters of Babylon before you come for an exam, examination. But some doctors are just amazing. It's just like, it doesn't phase them. It just doesn't phase them. For me, I'd faint. Right? I mean, I look at people that are, that, that are, are, are psychologists. They should all be nuts. But they're not, hopefully. Because that's their grace. I spoke to a woman this week and she's adopted um, uh, two children and they're both um, um, disabled children, both of them. And she's not a, she doesn't have a lot of resources, etc. But she adopted two children. And it's just like she said, Pastor, this is me. This is who I am. This is, I love to do this. And they both, they don't have legs. They can't walk. They, they have other challenges, etc. And that's her thing. I thought, my word. What grace. But somehow we think grace should be this what? Spectacular whatever we think. No, grace is your design and loving what you do in spite of your bank balance. The money is never the motivator, ever. Please hear me carefully, young people. Money is never the pursuit, ever. Your grace. I love working with disabled children. I love doing this. I, I, you hear people when they talk in a casual conversation. That's who they are. And then they think it's inferior. It's below them. It's beneath them. And then we try and put people into a place that they're not designed for. And parents tell people, Nee, jy kan nie die graad studeer nie, want niemand maak geld daarmee nie. Jy wil nie sikkel soos jy oors nie. Jy wil geld maak. Wat sy nonsens is dit? Jy doen wat God jy geroep het. Because you can't buy peace, you can't buy fulfillment, you can't buy joy that comes in honoring God and being who God created you to be. Come on, say amen, man. Hallelujah. Come on, beautiful young people, we need you to be authentic. We need you to be who God created you to be. We need you to be the best version of yourself. We need you to live without apology. 
Come on, we need you to be the standout person who God created you to be. None of you have seen my big toe, but my big toe has kept me standing, right? You've seen my mouth and my eyes, but you don't see my big toe. You haven't seen my feet, my thumb. Those things are as important as everything else. Every part is important. You are important. You have a place. You are unique. You are called by God. You have a design. There's something that God has for you. I pray to God that you find it. I pray to God that you uh, celebrate it. I pray to God that you no longer criticize yourself, minimize yourself, downplay yourself, and that you begin to recognize who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We started a CRC by me just telling one person about Jesus. It wasn't a building. It was nothing. Just a passion to tell people about Jesus. Never thought about building a building or anything else. I just wanted to see people saved. That's it. Still do. Still do. I tell people often, these things are not my ministry. This building, it's not my identity. I leave this place tomorrow. I go with who I am. My ministry is not attached to a building, to a place. It's attached to who I am. The grace I carry. The anointing I carry. And where I go, I take it with me. It doesn't stay in another place. It's in me. So I'm not committed to the structures and buildings. We, we, we did this to give people the opportunity to find Christ. But if you think this is it for me in your life, no. This, this is it for me. This being true to this, walking with this, protecting this, and taking this wherever God tells me to take it for the sake of the kingdom. That's it. Anything else than that is what? It's like, I own my life now. I control my life. No. No. You are who God created you to be. And you celebrate that. And wherever God places you, a prison, part of His house, a palace, you be the best. You, that you possibly can be. Do you receive the word tonight? Say amen. Come on, give Him a praise. Hallelujah. Come on, give Him a praise, man. I am trying to encourage you tonight. I haven't preached this for myself. I preach it for you. To help you live the life God has for you. Come on, those pastors watching tonight. Stop trying, stop emulating everybody. Stop emulating the person in America, the person in Timbuktu, and begin to find yourself, man. Begin to find yourself. Find your own authenticity in Christ. Find your own authenticity in Christ. Come on, man. Come on, come on. Just celebrate yourself a little bit. Celebrate who God gave you. The life God gave you. Celebrate who God called you to be. Come on. Come on, what you have, the world didn't give it to you and the world can't take it from you. What you have, God gave to you. But you better recognize it, celebrate it and carry it with dignity 
and respect what you have received. In Jesus' name. Amen. Take your seat for a moment. I said to somebody, like the person is close to 30, he said, but pastor, I've been doing this for so long, but I know it's not what I'm supposed to do, but it's very difficult to change the course of my life. I said, why? If you have another 40 years ahead of you, why would you not move into your grace now? Why would you wait? For who? To please who? To play whose tune? To embrace who? People that actually don't care to be embraced. You want to embrace people with your title? Let me tell you something. People don't care about your title. CEO, director of company without clients. <laughs> They're not embraced. Apostle, prophet, pastor, but there's nobody following you. You call yourself a pastor and there's nobody following you. You're out for a stroll. It's not because you call yourself a pastor that you want or you call yourself a prophet that you want. You can only be who you are. And you'll only last in your grace. Amen? I mean, some woman is like, I want to be Joyce Meyer. You can't be Joyce Meyer. There's one Joyce Meyer. One. You, you be you. You can learn from her, but you can't be her. I want to be a right on you can't. He's in heaven. So even preaching like him is not going to give you the results. Are you listening? So are you where you should be? We talk about destiny. See, look, this is a big deal for young people. It's huge. This is huge. It's huge. I had to, to, to move into God's world and I moved to Lady Brain for six people. One family, their domestic servant, and one lady coming from Asiru. That's where I started the church. Going from wanting to be an evangelist, enlisting in a school of evangelism, and uh, Nareto already got a job in Johannesburg, and was going to train, be trained as one of 10 evangelists in Jesus' Love Ministries that would travel the world and preach, etc. And the Lord said, no, it's not my plan for you. You go to Lady Brain. You do what I called you, what I designed for you, so that when all hell breaks loose, you don't doubt yourself. Because there will always be opposition. There will always be questions. There will always be people who try and minimize you. But if you know who you are, you'll stand the test of time. And you'll have the fruit to show. The fruit. You can't call yourself a businessman after 20 years you haven't built a business. Now we're quiet. You can't call yourself a doctor, let's say it like that, and you haven't qualified as a doctor. You can't call yourself a pastor and you're not equipping people to do the work of the ministry. Because the grace of a pastor is to equip people. It's not a title that you carry. Calling you pastor... You're honest. It doesn't qualify you. What qualifies you is when you talk 
people respond because there's grace on your life. Grace. Outside of God's grace, it won't work. Ever. Ever. Grace is what defines who you are. It's your design. It's your gift. It's where you will excel. Outside, something is going to give. Amen. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed, non moving, please. The obvious question is people say, but Pastor, how do I discover myself? Where Paul found himself, an encounter with Jesus. Where I found myself in an encounter with Jesus. Of course, inevitably, we all become a lost coin at some stage in our lives. A lost sheep. All of us. We all need to be found at some stage where we realize I'm lost. And if you're just floating through life, you're lost. But tonight you can change that. And you can experience God's saving grace. And you can experience God's love. And actually experience your value and your worth, which you never will outside of the person of Jesus Christ. It's just not possible. He's your designer. He's your creator. He's your maker. And you are not going to find yourself outside of Him. It's not possible. So maybe you're sitting here tonight and you say, Pastor, I got lost in, in, in this journey. I've lost myself. I've, 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 I've just wandered away from my father's house. I've wandered away from God. I've... I'm not in a good space. Maybe you've gone back into the world, I don't know. My dear friend, you need to value yourself. and, and, And the first step in valuing yourself is by surrendering yourself to Jesus Christ. Giving yourself back to God. Giving yourself back to God in the state that you're in. I don't care whether you're in a mess. God doesn't care. He'll make something beautiful out of your life but you have to put yourself back in the hands of Jesus. And that's where God will begin to work in your life. So while every head is bowed in this place, Bloomingdale, Johannesburg, down there in Cape Town and all our churches, tonight you say, I need a fresh start with God, a new beginning. I need to get right with God. I want to live this life that God has for me. I want to come back to Jesus. I want to live full on for God. If that is the desire in your heart tonight, while every head is bowed, every eye closed, quietly, wherever you are, just lift your hand. I want to say a prayer for you before we close the service. Quickly, raise it up high, high, high. Thank you. Bless you, God. Bless you, bless, bless. Many hands. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Slip it up. Come on, now. God bless you, God bless you. Raise it up, raise it up. Thank you. Thank you. Up there on the balcony, God bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Your whole life people have told you who you are not. I'm telling you who you are. But I'm telling you, this journey is, you have to start the journey in finding yourself in Christ. Nowhere else. You have to get back to Jesus. You have to get back to Jesus. Last time before I pray, tell you know, um, I want to say this. We have a huge responsibility, and we are. When we talk about overflow as a church, we are going to go ballistic when it comes to uh, dealing with poverty. And um, um, because, listen to me. Listen to me. You look into so many people's eyes, and there's just no hope. And they, they just have been dehumanized, 
humiliated, robbed of dignity, bound in poverty, and nobody cares. And those are the people that are created in God's image. We as a church are not going to play that game. Let me tell you, we're going to hold these politicians accountable of the abject poverty that our people are, 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 are um, subjected to. You know, when I was in Cape Town now, and I, it's at Kailicha, and I, I look at those squatter camps, the same people that talk about Cape Town being so clean and everything, they don't care. These same politicians that just look after segments of the city, and then you drive there, and you watch these squatter camp, and these zinc houses sunk, um, is it zinc? It's not even standing alone. It's like South America. The one is built against the next one, against the next one. And you think about the kids that are in that place. And then you look at all these people that talk about the wealth in France and the wealth in Parle and in Freikdom Oorl and the Kapers, the Skoens, the Stad and all that nonsense. And I drive through these things and I think, what about this? Right under your noses, man. These people are suffering. They've got no dignity. There's, there's just nothing, nothing. And the white people that all run down to Cape Town for a better life, my word, man, you go, you go down there, go make the life better of those people that are sitting in that same city that are still suffering. Yeah, you better clap better than that because we are not a church that's going to play a little political game with a political party. It's not okay. That's why when Jesus spoke to people, He always said, look at me. Why? Because sin demeans you. Life robs you of your self-esteem. Forces you into believing you nothing. While these politicians play these games and do nothing. I pray to God that He puts the right people into leadership in South Africa. People that will actually care about the people. Yeah, people that will actually care about the people. There should not be a Kaili chain left in South Africa. These politicians should have built houses for all those people a long time ago, man. Long ago. Sick. It's a disgrace. fly over, when I fly to Johannesburg every week, because for time's sake I have to fly in one of my 50 private helicopters that people believe. No, actually I fly in a private jet. No, I actually fly in a, a spaceship. Whatever. Whatever flicks your critical switch. Enjoy it. Enjoy your foolishness. You'll stand before God one day and give account. So enjoy it. But in any case, I fly and I watch Deep Sluit and they right next door there's these and I say to the pilot, look at these houses that are being built here. I mean, some of those houses are a hundred plus million. And right next door is the poorest of the poor. So when we talk about overflow, that's the direction we're going. And if you don't like it, go find yourself another church that scratches your ego and scratches your nostril and just tells you that your life matters just about yourself. Because I'm not into that rubbish. And if you ever expect me to lead the church in their direction, I'm out. I'm out. It's not who I am. Not yet to pacify white people or pacify the middle class black people. Forget that. Not into that rubbish. 
preserve white Afrikaner culture. Ek is Afrikaner meer as jy man. Dis kom Paulus sê, ek is as jood meer as jy. So as jy Afrikanerskap wil praat, jy gaan my nie uitredeneer van wie een beter bloedlijn in Afrikanerskap het as jy en jou pa en jou opa nie. Van my voorouders het die broederbonderpartij gestig man. So jy gaan nie met my kom nonsens praat oor Afrikanerskap nie. Jy wat my so kyk nie. En moet jy my nie een verraaier noem nie. Ek noem jou een verraaier wat jouself een kind van God noem en wat nie een saak met een swaard arme mens het nie. Jy is die verraaier. Jy verraai Godse waardes, jy verraai Godse koninkryk. Maar ek kom praat, ek is een verraaier vir Afrikaanse kultuur nie. Jou ding is, man. Some of you now say, I don't think he's designed his pastor. You are actually 100% right. I never wanted to do this. God's grace puts me here every week because every week I think, what the heck am I doing? Amen. Amen. I love you. God loves you. Loves you. Loves you. Loves you. Loves you. Loves you, loves you, loves you, loves you, loves you. Ah, believe it. You know, one of you can change this province. One of you. You can be, people can look at you as no one, as the least, as a shepherd boy, and you are a king in the making. You better begin to believe it and love yourself. And I pray there's something that ignites in you tonight that says, I refuse to conform to this world and to waste my life away any longer. I'm going to be the standout person. I'm going to be the difference. I'm going to be everything. And I'm going to put that past behind me, the anger, the bitterness, the hatred that these politicians want to incite in you. Put it aside, man. I tell you they don't care for you. The same people that tell you certain things are living in Santa. The same people that are... Ah, look next to Yeah. Not into that hypocrisy. You follow Christ. You follow Christ. Amen. Come on, I'm talking to young men here. How many of you are in the university? How many of you are students? Okay. You're not going to be part of chaos, right? Huh? You've got your own mind. Amen. Put your hand on your heart. Pray with me. We need you people to be who God created you to be for the sake of South Africa. Otherwise, you all better start buying plane tickets and we all better leave South Africa and go to Madagascar. I'm not talking to white people. I'm talking to everybody. If we're not going to stand against this tide of evil now, we might as all leave, well leave South Africa. Yeah, you limit what I say. But things are not self-honor. Yeah. So the next six months are critical. Amen. Put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I give myself back to you. My spirit, my soul, my body, I give back to you. Thank you for loving me, 
just as I am. I believe you died for all my sin. I believe you rose from the grave. I believe you're alive. And I know that you love me. I know that you believe in me. I know you have a plan for my life. Tonight, I confess with my mouth that I trust you, that I make you my Lord, and that I will follow you every day of my life. Lead me into paths of righteousness for your name's sake. I surrender all to you. I let go of anger, of bitterness, of resentment of my parents, anger, resentment, bitterness, and I accept the life that you have for me. Use me, Father, to be a difference maker in my generation and in my world for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Yes. You know, when we counsel people, we need to take time with people. That's why we counsel people. But you know, people, um, when a girl is molested, she goes through the guilt of thinking, I'm the reason that I was molested. Even girls that get raped, somehow think they are to blame for the rape. They're not. They're not. We need to give people the assurance that they're loved, that they're special, that they're whole. And whatever happened to them, they're not to blame for it. And then talk about the new life that they have in Christ and help people find wholeness and wellness. And um, as they do that, they will find themselves. But you can't be broken and find yourself. So Jesus came to heal the broken heart, right? So you receive the healing so you can begin to receive who God made you to be. You're not a broken person. You may have gone through things that have tried to break you, but Jesus is the mender, the healer, and we want to help you. Love yourself. Look yourself in the mirror not with shame and say I am fearfully and marvelous made. and even if you made mistakes even if you did whatever when you come to Christ you are brand new you are special you are washed you are cleansed you are justified every sin every mistake is forgiven it's under the blood and now you have to lift your head up high and live this life that God has for you from today from today your, your sins are forgiven for His name's sake and because of His grace, your sins are forgiven. That's what John writes. He says, I write to you little ones, little children, because your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. And I declare it to you tonight. Your sins are forgiven. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.